Hello, I am your host, Tabari McCoy, and welcome to A Tight 45. A Tight 45 is brought to you by Everybody's Records, located at 6106 Montgomery Road in the Pleasant Ridge neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio. Everybody's Records has been independently slinging music for 42 years. Swing in and dive into a deep catalog of music, including vinyl, or bring in your own CDs or LPs for cash or trade. Listening in from out of town? Be sure to check out their website at www.everybodysrecords.com. Everybody, it is I, Tabari McCoy, welcoming you to this episode of A Tight 45. I'm sorry if I just blasted through your ears because sometimes I see the mic levels on my mic and I'm like, uh oh, I think I might be spiking. So I hope I'm not doing that to you. Uh, excited today as I have a great comic on the show, Miss Amy Miller. Uh, Amy uh, has been uh, doing work in the comedy scene for a minute now. You may recognize her from her Comedy Central special. Uh, of course, she was on Last Comic Standing season nine. Um, yeah, good conversation. Good person, good comedian. We talk about a lot of things, including faith on this episode. And speaking of faith, I have tried to have faith in my beloved Cincinnati sports teams. And every time I do, I keep getting reminded why. I am a sports polygamist because, folks, today my beloved Bengals lost to the Jets. They, they might as well have played Benny in the Jets. Um, come on, fellas. The Jets. I mean, I know they're in the NFL, too, but they're in the NFL in the same way that Kevin Hart and I are both in stand-up comedy. The Jets. <sighs> then the Bearcats, y'all was... Looking like trash for a minute on Saturday against uh, Tulane, who I forgot had a college. I don't mean I forgot they had a football team. I mean, I forgot they had a college. I I'm sorry, Tulane. I didn't even know y'all were located in New Orleans until I was watching on ESPN. Uh, I was like, oh, they're in Louisiana. I literally didn't know that's why it was a green wave. I thought maybe y'all had bad water or something. Or y'all just got like a bunch of like, you near a beach. I had no idea where Tulane University was. Uh, no disrespect to y'all. I just didn't know about y'all because y'all football team hasn't been relevant, except for the fact that y'all almost gave me a heart attack for the first half because I finally decided, decided to start watching Cincinnati football, college and pro, and I am remembering why now uh, I usually watch more baseball, um, unless it's my beloved Bengals. Uh, in the World Series tonight, is I'm recording this on a Sunday, as you can tell. Uh, it looks like it may be the Atlanta. Can we get rid of this stupid chop that is not an honor to Native Americans versus the Houston? Yeah, everybody knows we cheated, but we are like Michael Myers and we just won't die. And the only reason that anybody is rooting for us is because of Dusty Baker Astros. And um, yeah, I, I mean, this is one of those ones that's like, you know, I, I would rather see the Braves win it, uh, although if Houston somehow comes back from this 3-1 deficit, it'll only be because uh, God decided to do Dusty Baker a favor. Uh, otherwise, I think Dusty and his toothpick may be walking off the field for the last time soon. That's just my assumption. I have no insider knowledge, um, but that's the way it feels. Uh, but before I forget, 
gotta say thank you uh to my home comedy club of go bananas uh this past thursday it was rainy it was chilly and just about i would say 90 percent of the people that i know uh said they couldn't make it or you know i'll catch you on the next one um just to let y'all know as a comedian we always know that when we when y'all say to us you'll catch us on the next one uh you really are praying that the next one never comes and that's your nice way of saying to not ask y'all but be that as it may everybody who came out on thursday night and yes there were plenty of people that had legit reason they couldn't make it uh the show just got put together uh three days prior uh but the show was fun it was dope and to be able to step on that stage as the headliner with your name on the bill, um, outside of it being like a special occasion on the two albums I recorded, but for it to be like, hey, we think he can at least headline this night. I'm hoping it'll one day be a full weekend. Um, it was phenomenal. Um, I, I didn't even do all the jokes that I had planned because um, I went back and checked like my uh, my game plan, which I'm hoping some of the football teams do before their next game. But I went back and checked my game plan and I noticed that I had like whole bits that I didn't get to. So for those of you that didn't come out, I still got more material. For those of you that did come out, I got a little bit more material right now, but I work on getting some more. But uh, yeah, because I'm hoping that come 2022, I can put out my third uh, album, uh, and yes, I am still planning on putting out some compact discs because I want a physical copy of what I've done. And if I can't do that, maybe I'll try and get some vinyl. I really want to make that happen. Uh, so I'm hoping uh, that 2022 will see the release of my third album. I've had a title in mind uh, since either late last year or early this year and a concept to go with it. But we'll see if it all comes to fruition. Um, and hopefully it will. Now, I could keep on going and going. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep this one a little bit shorter because I know I run over my 45 minutes and it's my damn podcast and I still don't stick to the script. I should call this podcast Running the Light, but I think there's got to be one called Running the Light somewhere by now. I already discovered that somebody else had one called a Tight 45, but I don't think they've made an episode in about two, three years. So I'm sticking with this one. This ain't going to be no Cleveland Guardian situation, which is hilarious to me that they didn't even do the research in their own city and see that they already had a team called the Guardians, and it's a roller derby team. And I say, if you can't reach a settlement on the name, put the Indians, and I'm sorry, I'm, I didn't want to say that word, uh, the Cleveland baseball team, put the Cleveland baseball team on the track with the original Guardians and let them go at it like I used to watch in the 80s and early 90s on ESPN because ESPN used to show everything. They used to show AWA wrestling. And if you don't know about AWA wrestling, you can't talk to me about nothing when it comes to wrestling. And yes, I said nothing. N-U-P-H-I-N or if you're down south, N-U-F f apostrophe for no damn good reason i n nothing okay you can't talk to me about no wrestling you can't talk to me about some awa and colonel de beers with his racist self although it was a character and stan hansen and jake the milkman milliman and everybody else and don't make me get started on some old tbs on wcw saturday night with the monkey brothers and those are the palest human beings it looked like elmer's glue i think they had white hair and they were in their 20s I need to do some Wikipedia or some internet research. Maybe I should get the Monkey Brothers on this podcast. I hope they're still alive because you know how it goes with 80s wrestlers and, you know, health. In any case, that's enough rambling. So coming up after the musical break, my interview with the one and only Amy Miller on this episode of 
a tight 45. last week but i got busy damn it so just be happy that i'm back this week and this week i'm back with a fantastic guest this is a young lady that you may have seen on comedy central maybe on epics of course she has a podcast that you may have listened to entitled who's your god and we're going to get into that and some of you may know her from her time on that show last comic standing that a lot of people seem to have heard of and she's here today to talk with me for some reason because she's a very nice lady when she could be doing a lot of other things amy miller how are you today hi i'm good tabari how are you I'm all right. I was, you know, I got to headline my home comedy club last night. Uh, it nice. Was, it was fun. Like, yeah, I was like, hey, I spent 16 years to get ready to headline for 35 people. And you know what? I'm not complaining. It was a rainy is that ass Thursday. Go so. bananas. Yes, which is where I met you. Yes, at pre pandemic. The bar. Oh, yep. yeah. We met in the green room, but then afterwards we chatted at what's that bar across the way? Well, it is now called the Bell and the Bear. It has been like three oh. or four different. It was like I think it was still called McLevy's Pub yes. when you were there, because there's no other there's no easier way to get a bar going than just call it a generic Irish name and then probably open around March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And open across from a comedy club. Yeah. Yes. Which is literally within stumbling distance of the club. <laughs> Exactly. But, yeah, that was a fun night. Yes. And that I got, was like my know. last uh, gigs before the lockdown. Oh, well, there you go. So, <laughs> you know, I've I had on a bunch of other episodes, I had been asking people, you know, how they had been spending that. But now we're almost kind of back to normal. But does it really feel like it's back to normal in your world these days? Or because you're out in the Bay no. Area and it's much more strict. Well, I live in L.A. I, I'm originally from the Bay, right. but I live in Los Angeles now. Um, yes and no. I mean, we got all the regulations and stuff, but it's just uh, I don't know when I'm out, back out on the road because I'm like doing this tour and coming to Ohio and Tennessee and stuff. I still have a lot of fans who are saying they're not ready to go to a show yet. I just recorded my album in San Francisco at the Punchline, which is my home club. And um yeah, I got a lot of messages from people just saying, like, I'm not quite ready to, like, be in a, you know what I mean? So it was, yeah. like, a little lighter than maybe it would have been under normal conditions. But I don't know. It's normal and it's not. I think this is just what we're doing now. Yeah. Like, this is it. Yep. I've been making jokes about how this is it at this point in time because uh, uh, America is just, we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. So this is, like, as best of a concession that you're going to get from people at this point. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's ridiculous. But be that as it may, uh, you know, you as you said, you're getting ready to hit the road again and you just recorded a new album. Uh, what you know, without giving away your material and things of that nature, what have you been you know, what have you found to talk about that wasn't something that already happened? Because 
you know, I talk a lot about whatever I, you know, am going through and you're like a very dynamic joke writer where you have like quick, quick hit punchlines. You have like, here's a quick observation on this. You can be personal. You can be political. Um, have you felt more productive or less creative with this whole crazy situation? Mm, interesting question. <laughs> uh, I think I was more creative in, in different ways uh, hmm. when we were at home, but with stand-up, I really, I have a hard time writing without being able to perform it. Um, like, I I'm, I kind of write on stage. I mean, not completely, but, you know, I take a couple notes and some ideas and then flesh them out in front of people. So I was doing, like, a lot of Zoom shows and stuff, which did help, but some of those jokes didn't end up translating to the stage. So there was only one way to find that out, which was to try it. But mm. I think... Um, I, I didn't stop writing material, that's for sure. Uh, and reworking old stuff too um, that had never been recorded because I knew like, okay, I'm going back out. I'm trying to build this hour. So um, there's some stuff that I just, you know, you just have those jokes sometimes where you're like, it works in one, in one part, but this part's kind of dull or doesn't get a laugh. And so sometimes you just abandon them. <laughs> But sometimes you got to go back in there, especially if you like it, you like the premise and you're connected to it and just try and fix it and just punch it up. And so I was kind of doing that and then, yeah, writing new stuff. But I don't know. It was it was uh, a mix. I mean, I definitely watched a lot of movies in the last year and a half. You know, I understand. I finally caught up on like so many shows but at the same time I'm like I can't catch up because there's just too many shows now it's just too much like we have too lot. much streaming like I know I just, we have Tubi I'm like what is Tubi I'm like just stick with like the big ones I feel like Tubi is kind of like the not even like it's like the New Balance or Reebok it's like hey we're in there too and it's like are you you know Asics. what I mean oh oh <laughs> That's a deep cut. Wow, she went with the Asics on that one. Very, very well played, madam. Uh, you know, I, I was gonna say it's nice to talk about comedy with someone, and we're just talking about like you know fun things because comedy has been in the news a lot recently, and not for the best reasons. And if anyone thinks I'm gonna get into be the nine thousandth comedian to make some type of post about all the other stuff going on right now, nope, that's not just podcast. I was just curious, like you know. With you being, you know, someone that has worked in, you know, been performing on TV and, you know, getting things out there of that nature, like, as much as I'm sure you love comedy, like, what things are you getting tired of having to either talk about or just think about with everything going on right now? Because it feels like comedy is either in the spotlight, it's, it's not in the spotlight, it's, it's in the spotlight, not like a lot right now, just for like, not the best reasons, you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. articulating that well worth a damn. But. I think uh, the biggest thing is I get really tired of what kind of stock people put and what comedians say, um, hmm. you know, regular fans. It's like we're not this modern day philosopher thing is just it's just not always true. And I'm not saying yeah. that there aren't comics who who do play that role, but it's like people take this shit so seriously and it's like, we're literally degenerates. You know what I mean? We're like people who picked a job where we basically never have to work. Like we are not like you, like you're nice, hardworking American family people. You know what I mean? You fucking get up at six, you raise your kids. Like 
this guy is a degenerate. Like you're talking about the opinions of basically a drunk, you know, like someone who stumbled into comedy and happened to be really funny, but is saying a lot of this stuff. And I'm not talking about any specific comedian. Right, yes. <laughs> like, uh, warning label, uh, <laughs> the opinions that are held by the guests of their own, I'm kidding. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm literally talking about like oh, uh, an amalgam of, a yes. bunch of comedians, you know yes. what I mean? Like the idea of a comedian as a philosopher is like, I guess, but you know, even the, even the comedians who, uh, you know, prop up George Carlin as the greatest, like they don't, you know, Chappelle does not have the same opinions as George Carlin would have the, to this day. Like they disagree, you know what I mean? And, yeah. um, and it was, you know, it's the same with like a lot of conservative comedians or guys that like supported Trump. It's like you can't be like George Carlin's my idol and vote for Trump. You know, you just yeah. can't because I mean, unless you're just talking about his comedy. But if your whole thing is like we want to, um, you know, be an art form, if you can call it that for, uh, you know, for the people on the lowest rungs of society, mm -hmm. the people who need support and lifting up and we want to punch up like then yeah you're not doing carlin shit man but but so it's a combination of like comedians taking themselves too seriously uh when we know in our hearts like we're losers do you know what i mean like <laughs> we're not good people um, this is such an uplifting self-esteem <laughs> boost right now just well, that's the thing, because it's a really fun job and it is like barely work. And when you get a good payday, it's a really good payday. And so I just I, you know, you, know, you just kind of explain why we have an influx of TikTokers, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe so. Uh, people are trying to get to that next level, which is stand up now, which is so weird. It's like you go from amassing like three million followers to now you know headlining go bananas or whatever like that's your goal is to like bomb around the country because you have this tiktok i don't understand that part either like stand-up is it is hard i'm saying it's not work but it's not for everyone to do right. and so it always puzzles me yeah that these internet kids they're not all kids i'm making myself sound so old but they're like oh now <laughs> i want to do stand-up because i was funny in my videos like there's no editing on stage and right. people are there and anything yes. can happen and like you know, it's just a different skill set. It does end up overlapping for a lot of them, but not as many as get to headline. <laughs> um, yeah, see, now I have so many things I'm frustrated with, I guess. But, I'm glad I asked this question so you can get this out of your system. <laughs> well, and it's like without even talking about the Chappelle special, just that clip of him like in an arena, um, you know, <laughs> lecturing basically yeah and then people wooing like they're at a fucking revival like i'm like uh, the on like it's such an honor to be in that spot i think people just get so much money too they lose like the magic of what it is to be a stand-up and to like take that opportunity in a sold-out arena to just like complain basically about how people on twitter are being mean to you why don't you just enjoy the fucking awesome job that you have and like give those people some material or something funny. It just wasn't funny. That's, you know, that's the biggest crime to me. <laughs> Understood. And, you know, it's funny because you said like a revival and whatnot. And one thing in doing my research um, is that I, you know, I've learned that you have a podcast, which 
uh, is about a topic that I would say almost every human being on the planet thinks about at some point, and then they decide what they would have, that being your podcast, Who's Your God, where you talk about faith with other comedians and things of that nature. And I was just curious, like, I'm sure, and I didn't want to have, like, I didn't want to, like, read, like, a generic description or, like, you know, I wanted to ask you directly, what was your inspiration for that, and what have you learned about people, let alone comedians, in doing that? Well, the inspiration to start it, and I should clarify that the podcast just ended, but literally like last week. So see, if you want to listen, no, no, you still can. I mean, they're all still (laughs) up and everything. Right. Um, We just ended it after uh, three, four years or something. Um, I uh, well, I grew up in the Baptist church. I grew up very uh, religious conservative christian and in the bay area which is hard to do i was gonna say like those two (laughs) things don't mix at all yeah yeah it was tough but we made it work Uh, (laughs) so (laughs) i got together with my friend steve hernandez who's a great comedian he now actually has a new uh podcast called read the bible with me so he's he's branching out he's got the sequel um okay he was a mega church pastor in um in Los Angeles. So we just got together and it was like, yeah, that, that's just not something that we usually talk about with other comedians when we're in the green room or after the show, you know, mm-hmm. you don't see, we talk shit, we talk about comedy, but it's not that often you sit down and go like, so do you believe in God or, yeah. <laughs> you know? Cause uh, I, I found that m- most comedians, it feels like they don't. That's what we assumed as well. And it ended up being pretty different from that. I mean, oh. I think I think because, and you're asking like why comedians too, I think because of the nature of what we do, it is very self-reflective. And Mm -hmm. if you're good at comedy, your whole job is to like, think about the world, think about your existence, how it relates to the existence of others. And, um, and it's a very thoughtful thing. It's supposed to be. I'm not calling myself a philosopher, but it's supposed to be a thoughtful process just to be funny because things that are funny are relatable to other people. And if you don't understand, you know, the Mm -hmm. universe, then you can't make other people laugh. Um, Right. Well, I mean, you can always just I mean, you can uh, fall down and get kicked in the nuts, but that's called America's Funniest Home Videos or ridiculousness. I mean, saying, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you can. Uh, yeah, you can hump a stool. You can use the microphone as a dick. It's a lot of options out there. But <laughs> someone's oh, don't, don't, don't go look up my my joke about Giannis Atenkiompo then. I'm just going to throw that out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I was just kind of curious, like what? is there a pattern amongst comedians? You know, I want to know about everyone's background because a lot of comics might not believe in God now, but they, you know, used to go to church, you know, several times a week as a kid or, um, or their parents are super religious and everybody just had such a different background that I don't know. I just wanted to know about it. And, um, I mean, I learned a lot in the process. Uh, it was not, a coincidence that like I'm saying like the funniest comics we had on who I think are the most successful on stage um were the most thoughtful about their existence and their soul that made sense to me um we did have some duds on the podcast for sure where I was like 
there were a few people that I'm like, you really never think about this. You just you're just floating around day to day. You don't think right. about why we're here, what you exist for, how you're connected to the rest of the world. Like it was really shocking, but not surprisingly, a lot of those duds bad at stand up, <laughs> really bad. And also not fun to hang out with. Truly. <laughs> I'm just hoping that I'm, I'm sitting here like, please let one of these people here be like, I was going to start going to church and now I don't know what it feel like. <laughs> and of course, you're getting ready to hit the road with Jeff, who, uh, for those of you that don't know Jeff Tate, uh, a preacher's kid. Right. I know. And we never had him on, which is so stupid. I'm like, maybe we do one more right before the tour. We'll do, get him this week or something. Um, yeah, there were all these people that, you know, we meant to have on and we couldn't. And but in the end, it was like, I don't know how many more times can we talk about God on a weekday? You know what I mean? Like you just made a bunch of pastors sad. Like I got to do this 52 weeks a year. I just thought the same thing, too. <laughs> so funny. But but it's a hard job being a good pastor. you got to find a new twist every week. Like it's it's work. That's why some of these dudes start recycling their old sermons. I noticed my pastor growing up. I'm like, I see you. I remember you talking about this four years ago. Don't recycle your material. Oh, just because I'm a kid, you think I'm not going to notice. <laughs> and they and they'll steal each other's sermons and stuff like there's a whole, you know, people buy sermons off the Internet. And shit. are you serious? It's like, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Because because it's really hard to come up with a new angle every week as to why people need to walk with God. It's like I would have never thought about someone. I mean, I, I, I'm a big hip hop fan. And, you know, and I know people write jokes for other people. I know people will write songs. I would have never thought about somebody going, man, I am struggling with this chapter in Leviticus. Let me go call up Je Jeffrey. Jeffrey, I need I need a hot 16. Help me out. He'd be like, OK, so I would have no, never absolutely. thought about that. Yeah, there's like websites where you can just yeah, you can do that. You could pick a Bible verse or a passage and then look up a bunch of different sermons on that passage and then, you know, borrow from each. I think it's kind of more accepted in the pastor community than it is in comedy, I especially because that's kind of why people put their shit out there. It's like, oh, use this and go save more people because it's all in the interest of, you know, bringing right. people to God. So I think it's, you know, it's kind of accepted understood and you know you are a pretty fearless i'm sorry i use the word that's one of those buzzwords um you are a comic who says what's on their mind uh when they're on stage whether that may include cursing or not and i was curious as someone who grew up in the church how have you you know i don't i'm not even gonna articulate this well but how did you go from someone who was always at church to being like talking on stage about here's about here's some stuff about my vagina you need to know and no she doesn't just do vagina jokes i'm using an example people just pay so attention sexist tabari i'm sorry so sexist. i'm sorry i don't want to be on cnn with jake tapper forgive me please <laughs> uh that's a good question i mean i think because i spent so many years feeling so guilty about um, thinking about sex, talking about it. Um, not, my church was very, very strict. So even like they didn't believe in dancing, watching secular Ooh, movies. You got yeah. the uh, dirty dancing church. Yeah, it's, uh, it was very conservative. And so all these things, you know, just even watching regular movies or listening to regular music, like, I felt bad about for so many years as a kid and a teenager. And it's like, 
I grew up in the Bay in the 80s and 90s. Like, you think I'm not going to listen to secular music? Like, yeah, you're from where Too Short is from. <laughs> exactly. And he's the least Christian rapper there has ever been. Well, um, him and Two Live Crew, but point taken. <laughs> Anybody with a two. If you start with a two. I had never God thought God is that. not happy with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I think. And also I had this really bad stage fright before I started comedy. It's a long story, but oh. I think once I was able to be comfortable and just kind of like own, you know, who I was and, and I'm not, I'm, I realized early on that there was this juxtaposition, especially when I started and I, I started comedy at 30. So relatively late compared to when 29. I yeah. But at, I looked very young for 30 like I've always kind of looked younger than I am. I I think I, I think that's still happening. No, I don't want to put it out there. I, and then <laughs> I, I just realized that, oh, she's over 30. So, yeah, you still yeah. it's working out well for you in that regard. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost 41 turning in a, a couple months. So um, so at 30, when I started, I looked very, very young and I was wearing a lot of these little like, you know, vintage dresses and shit with like a Peter Pan collar. So I had this like sweet look. And I wasn't setting out to shock people, but I noticed that it there was a certain reaction when I talked about anything dirty or dark. Really, I I think this the stuff maybe you're talking about is less vagina and more. I just talk about yes. a lot of dark shit. Yeah, I, and, I just um, stumbled over my words like a dude that's getting ready <laughs> to have to go explain himself. No, no, that's no, what no. I meant, and I did not say it well at all. It's no worries. Um, and I talk about dark vaginas is mostly what I talk about. <laughs> and that's my material. And <laughs> so I think people started to react to it. And I was like, oh, something happens when I get on stage that first of all, people think like, oh, she looks so sweet and innocent. And also, I think a lot in a lot of ways, she's going to suck. Um, mm. That's to some extent, an assumption people make about any woman stepping on stage. But I think also, like, I don't. Yeah, I don't look like I'm going to be funny. And I know this in my regular life, because if I'm just at the grocery store or whatever, talking to a stranger and I make them laugh, they always look shocked. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a funny person. Um, I see. I understand that because I mean, and I ended up doing it for seven years, not because I wanted to, but I look I know I look more like a teacher than a comedian. It's because I used to go do MC battles like eight mile style. And the guys would look at me like there's no way I'm losing to him. And I'd be like, <laughs> drop the beat. So I understand that whole yeah. situation. Yeah. And there's a power in that when people are underestimating you. And I always really valued that and even though our opportunities end up different sometimes I do feel bad for like uh, a straight white dude who looks looks like what people think a comedian looks like who's mediocre because he's got high expectations that he cannot <laughs> meet where I'm on the opposite and people think not, she's not gonna make me laugh and then they end up being surprised and there's like there's some power to that um you know, the mediocre guy still gets a headline more often than yeah. both of us. But yeah. <laughs> man, if I could just get a dirty beard and a flannel shirt, oh, I'd be in there. <laughs> I'm going to tell Jeff you said that <laughs> and he's already mad at you. So you better be careful. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening, there was a pre-show reference that we did not put on this episode. <laughs> we'll be fine. 
I, yeah, you know, really I, I sometimes try to think that I do a good job of interviewing. I feel like I am stumbling over questions like an early morning TV show host where you're <laughs> we're like where you're coming to town and they're like, so, Amy, you're going to be at the chuckle box. And what's comedy like as a lady? Like, I feel like I'm doing like that good of a job right now. You're doing great. It's going fine. Don't worry. I've done 10,000 podcasts. So I know because every one of us fine. has one that we uh, every one of us has one now. Because, I mean, quarantine was like, all right, I guess I'll talk to people because otherwise I'll just be in here talking to myself. So I get it. So I know. And I did so many. And during the quarantine, there would be days where, yeah, I I barely even said hello to my boyfriend. And then I'm like, so anyway, an hour about myself with someone I don't even know. <laughs> it was interesting. But I also like I, I try to say yes. And I um I'm getting a little better about some boundaries around that because there'll be some weeks where I'm like doing, you know, six podcasts. I'm not complaining. It's very nice to be asked, but I was doing that kind of too much where it was like cutting into like me working on other stuff or I would always be rushing around. And, and I talked to my friend Blair Saki and she was like, Oh, I, I say no every single time. And I'm like, Oh, I just been saying yes. Every single time. Like I thought everyone did that because it is so nice to be asked. And I'm like, yeah, why would I say no? I, so if I'd have an un, untimely death at some point, you know, if I pass unexpectedly, there's going to be like literally 6,000 interviews with me. <laughs> hey, who knows? We can cut it up and then you could be like the Tupac of comedians where we just have a new album drop every like six to eight months. Right. Oh, man, I got to get a will together just for yeah. these podcast episodes. Yeah, it's funny, too, because like I remember when they kept dropping all of those Tupac albums, I was like, at some point, just got to be like no more tracks. Right. Like, come on. Like rock bands, they just reissue like a 30th anniversary or whatever. I know. Prince's family did that for a while, too. They kind of yeah. did it like like too soon. Almost. It was yes, like they did. He was like warm in the ground and you could already fucking buy new merch at paisley park and then go into the part of the tour now as you go into the studio and listen to new tracks that they haven't released anywhere else but they were really good let me tell you <laughs> i mean so you've been to paisley park as well i take it yeah i went a few years back with michelle balloon who's a comedian uh from minnesota she lives in philly Nice. I, I went and bought a book not, for a friend of mine yeah <laughs> it was not long after he passed so it was really sad but i'm like damn your family really they were just it's it was like they knew it was coming like yeah they were ready to release these tracks yeah that's always yeah. that's always a weird thing what if it was a song that he hated you know like something he finished and he was like this is fucking trash yep. and they're like here's prince's new single i remember i saw de la soul in concert and they had to do me myself and i and they began with like i hate this song and that's how they began i'm like there was some. Oh yeah. There was somebody else. I oh, there was a rapper I interviewed recently, and he hates all his old catalog. And I was just like, I I still listen to that when I'm driving. <laughs> like right, like, yeah, yeah. I can't listen to my old jokes. I was gonna say, like, do you have jokes that just make you cringe at this point when you hear them, either because oh, you yeah, didn't have the delivery right, or was it the material itself? Mostly the delivery, I would say, and like lack of tags. Yeah, like my whole first album, I like I just had to listen to it because I recorded a second one. Right. And my first album is like five, six years old, maybe. So the difference between, you know, three, four years in comedy and 10, 11 
I, I'm saying these rough numbers because the pandemic is just fucked with our timeline. So I'm like, did I have I done comedy for the last two years? I don't know. Um, but there's a big gap in your skill level and your comfort and yeah. yeah and just, you know, your ability to tag things up and everything. So I had to listen to it just to make sure I wasn't repeating anything for the second one, just in case. And mm-hmm. also just like get an idea of like, Oh, what was some of the stuff I talked about last time? Like, do I want to change up the theme? Um, and I was just like, yeah, I was cringing the whole time. I'm like, Oh, I cannot believe this is playing on Sirius XM. Like uh, someone's going to, just drive their car into a ditch. No, no, hope, no. I would hope. I would hope not. That would be a that would be a horrible notification to get in your DMs. Like, ma'am, the uh, Wichita police would like to speak to you about one of your tracks. We're like, oh. I know. Well, it plays in my car sometimes too, just because I have it in my iTunes library, and I mm-hmm. I don't ha- really have like any thing in Apple Music. I I've never really used it, but my name starts with an A, so it just comes on automatically. I turn oh. my car on, and I'm like, oh god, I'm like cannot turn it off fast enough i understand because you know i try to speak in an articulate fashion but on my first album i was so nervous i turned into a rapper for like the first 14 minutes because i had enough knowing them sayings in there i was like who are you so it was just it was killing me until i could i could i can literally hear myself vocally relax which is what i have i think i just did during this conversation uh, <laughs> but that's also still <laughs> a part of you you know what i mean it's like um i mean I hear what you're saying. I was really trying to not say, um, when I recorded last week and, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that, that we just sort of lean on. I'm like, just finish the joke and then keep it a punchline. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm doing it right now. I, I say, you know what I mean? A lot. And like, and um, and I know this too, because my mother listened to one episode of my podcast and she was like, you say um and like and you know what I mean too much. I'm like, I'm, okay, I'm well. so glad that my mom has not listened to any uh, anything that I have done because the only advice she ever gave me when I said I was going to do stand up was, well, speak clearly. Like that was her whole. No, <laughs> don't yeah. embarrass the family. Right. Yeah, and my <laughs> and, and my dad is Fred Sanford too, and I'm and I'm Lamont. So if he ever hears my stuff. <laughs> It's just going to be like, I curse, but I try not to curse on this because I still have daytime hustles because as I've said on stage for years, Kevin Hart is the only black dude under six feet tall that makes money doing stand-up for the most part. But I I try to catch myself and, you know, not do those things. And, you know, and before I forget, I wanted to put this bow on the one conversation. So, you know, you're talking about how you'll talk about like dark things and you were also very interested in religion. I was curious, where are you at now? faith wise and through stand up and your journey in time doing it you know what have you come to you know i guess think about in terms of like how we all fit into the world and why do comedians especially those you know who get, you know talk about like not just like you ever seen a dog and a cat eat ice cream cone like besides those type of like generic jokes like do you think that there's like some correlation between you know faith or your you know your upbringing and then just how you approach comedy itself? I'm sure there's more of a connection than I really realize. I do think a lot of it is like what I said earlier of just, um, you know, having your language and thought limited in so many ways for so many years makes you want to just kind of push the boundaries a little bit of what you can do. Having said that, it's just what excites me about comedy. Like I get more excited about uh, 
dark jokes or things that are difficult to talk about trying to make them funny. I wish, you know, I, I would love to be better at being able to write like Seinfeld style observational, you know, clean comedy. Like what about biscuits? I, I wish. Fortune Feimster may have an issue with that. Don't steal her biscuits. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I probably would have a late night set by now, which I don't have, but it, because every time I've submitted to all those shows over and over throughout the years, a lot, it's always like, this is too dark. This is too heavy for late night. And I'm like, damn, like, I wish, <laughs> I wish I could just chill out a little bit and write like a joke about cookies or whatever, but it's tough that that comedy is really hard to write too. Um, but it also just doesn't, it doesn't excite me as much. And I think that's part of the problem. It's like, if I start writing a bit like that, like I'll, I'll do it for a while, but it's not one of the ones, you know, you have these jokes when you're on stage and you know, a joke is coming around the corner and you're like already excited about it. Cause you know, it works, but it also shows who you are. Um, with the Christianity stuff, I don't, I think I, I think it contributed to me being a kid with very kind of, dark brooding thoughts <laughs> because uh, my church was so fire and brimstone and very hell focused that like I, I mean I straight up you know I was like five six and I thought I was gonna burn in hell and like I'm just like a sweet little kid you know mm -hmm. I haven't done anything wrong at that point but that's they were very effective at making you fear that and so I just I feared hell and the apocalypse and being punished by God for so many years that I think I just now, you know, it became a priority for me to just live a fearless life because that shit is crippling. And it did affect my relationship with God, who I think, you know, I think that there is a God. I don't know exactly what that means, which is funny because I've talked about it 300 times over the last few years with comedians. Um, I'm still figuring my shit out, right. but I think if there is a God who knows me, then he understands why I or the, she, they understand why I have uh, reservations about it because God was always framed as this very scary person, a scary man who wanted to punish me even as a child <laughs> and didn't want me to do anything enjoyable or normal <laughs> ever, you know? You didn't like you want just me to describe... listen to boys to men. What kind of God is that? You sound like you just described working for Harvey Weinstein for so many <laughs> years, which is whew, exactly man, that's, a, that's a rough. Ex and then I mean, wait, your church hated boys to men. Those were the most wholesome dudes we had. They're literal angels. I mean, listen to their voices. It wasn't they, like they Jodeci. come straight from heaven. Like this, you're telling me it's a sin to listen to this just because yeah. they're having sex. They're having romantic sex. Said, they did love. say right. I was, that was the exact <laughs> song that came to mind. That's the it most Christian shit ever. It wasn't Cisco with the thong song or I'm anything saying. of that nature, but I don't know. It, that's uh, yeah. It, religion and faith are just like I am. A, I've always said I am a Christian, but if God doesn't grade on a curve, I am beyond screwed. Because I know they say like you know second, don't be of this world, and I'm like, but I live in Cincinnati. I'm like I'm in the world. Like I don't. Yeah. I yeah. I, I, I can't figure it out. Well, you know what? I, I need something happier to before I go on this. You know what was funny? <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say, um, what is the one question that you are glad that you're not hearing people ask you as a comedian? Because I was watching something the other day, and I want I almost felt bad for the the, the female comic being interviewed because 
it was like every question was so as a lady or when you're on stage and are you happy that we've kind of moved past that or do you feel that we have oh we definitely haven't a lot of people have i mean i still get that question all the time and it's like that like was like to be a woman in comedy or whatever the specific thing is of the time so it's like when all the louis stuff came out uh you know um newspaper like the new york times and shit would like contact any of us that had like tweeted about it to say like can we get a quote you know every time some guy like gets in trouble for harassment or assault they come and, and we're like why don't you just interview some female comedians with a different story sometime you know like why is this when you call us uh yeah and that it's would be always nice. like we're expected to weigh in and then within the comedy community, the more that you weigh in or post about this kind of shit, the more it's like, oh, you're like a difficult lady. Mm. Uh, you're a difficult female comic. And so like, and I it wouldn't be, it like, can be like ostracizing and counterproductive. It absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, I've had people that I'm friends with, uh, you know, in my, in my mind, I think we are friends who are like, oh, I, you know, assumed you would never want to do my podcast because you're kind of like, a, you know, a social justice warrior or whatever. And it's like, we're not, but we believe in all the same stuff. You're just, you have shitty fans. Like, is that what you're worried about? But I'm like not coming on to fight. Um, yeah, you get this reputation of like being hard to deal with, which is why I think, you know, the result of that is that we end up having... I think a lot of the time women in comedy getting like, this is true for, for all comics too. A lot of people just get opportunities that they're not quite ready for. And because they, they'll pluck out these like 22 year old, you know, female comics who seem agreeable and they have good jokes, but they're not like mouthy yet, you know, cause they're like their kids. <laughs> and so, um, it's like, oh, okay, you go do this big thing or like you, you know, be on this big podcast because I know you're not going to fight with me. And it's just like, mm. and then it becomes this cycle of like, well, they're, they're also very new at comedy. And so people can say like, oh, see, I knew women weren't funny because look, she's not even good yet. Or she's no Bill Burr. And it's like, bitch, he's been doing comedy for 30 years. This yeah, that's girl kind of a- is like three years in the game. Like, shut up. So yeah. it's just like this ugly cycle of like, men in comedy have very fragile egos and you know if you're too like mouthy or opinionated it's like too much it's like too much to do it's like oh i don't want to have another wife like i'm not going to tour with you because it's like you know having my mom with me or whatever and it's like i was gonna say so you, you made me think of this what's worse the guy who is the super ego or like the oh this woman is saying whatever because she can't blah 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 or the super sensitive, overly woke male comic where it's like, what should we, where it almost feels, I don't want to say patronizing, but like, because I feel like everything is just getting set to extremes. Yeah. Um, You know what I I mean? I don't trust either. (laughs) (laughs) And, and listen, some of this is really from experience. Like I'm thinking of one person in particular, obviously I won't say who is like the picture of a woke comic always like posting feminist shit actually Ooh, now I'm i have, a, now I'm I have a, two in my head i'm gonna have to ask um, you this off mic like 
they they end up being creeps a lot of the time, of course, because they're just like, oh, I, I'm good because I like, you know, I'm, I post all mm-hmm. this support and, you know, I'm a feminist. And then they still do awful shit. I mean, because they're just men and like I- men are terrible. <laughs> they're not you're not well, you know, and so but I think that performative kind of wokeness, which I'm always like being very aware of like I don't want that to be me so I try to be consistent that's the whole thing is you just be consistent across everything you do so whenever I'm posting online my stand-up will also you know stand up next to <laughs> for lack of a better term and then also who I Word am as a person and like yeah and how I treat people like if you're not doing uh, all those things aren't working together then you're just full of shit on either end and they're both and they're both bad and like by the way, on the on the other end, we have so much of the opposite, too, which is like these comics who do like, a, you know, shock value kind of shit, like who end up being like the sweetest, like actually most caring men who do like respect women. It's like Andrew Dice Clay is like a really wonderful man. You know, I think he was the all, original prototype yeah. for that of like, I'm saying awful shit, but all but this is a character or whatever this is mm-hmm. stage. Everything I do in my real life is legit and kind. As far as I know, I don't know him well. The Adventures of Ford Fairlane is one of the most underrated, (laughs) underappreciated movies of all time. And if I can get him on this podcast, I have so (laughs) many questions about that movie. But that's another story. Amy, before I forget, please let people know where they can find you, where they can follow you, and where they can see you tell jokes about whatever you want to talk about, as opposed to me throwing you questions that almost feel like a certain person on a certain show with comics that were unleashed, just setting you up for material. (laughs) so where can people find you um amy miller comedy on instagram and then my website's amymillercomedy.com and i'll be in cincinnati cleveland columbus nashville bristol morgantown west virginia and many other places very soon yes and and you'll be in cincinnati i believe the day after this comes out isn't it thursday november 4th it sounds right yeah i think it is very nice. I'm See, this take is how your you word for it. This is how you know she's a professional working comic. She don't even know where she's gonna be. She's just gonna be there when it's time. I can't keep track of the dates without looking at my spreadsheet. I always have a spreadsheet. It's color coded. It's crazy. Oh wow! See, that is prof- See, I should have known you were that professional because for those of you listening to the audio that, that have not watched the social media clips, she has a very lovely setup behind her with a very well arranged vase, or for those that pronounce it vase, <laughs> with flowers that is well spaced out. It's a very good set of decor. Did you work on the homestead over quarantine, or is that just how you do every day? <laughs> oh no, yeah, this is just like this every day. Well, I don't I always have Jackie Robinson up. I just put him up for use just so you would feel more. Comfortable, oh, th- thank you. I, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. I should have got my bill. I, I should have got my Billy Jean King print. But- no, this is um, I don't know if you know the comedian Greg Edwards. Um, he's very funny, but he did he's also an artist and he did this nice. series. I have two called the Red Line series, where okay. this is Huey Newton. Oh. He he puts like um portraits over the the red lined neighborhood that the person mm. was from. 
and they're they're very very cool he's got like 30 different people greg edwards art.com i think is what it is shout out to greg edwards uh very nice uh and amy i was gonna say i like to always end these things with like more upbeat fun questions because i'll sometimes have like a very serious conversation it's weird too because sometimes i'll be like okay i should just ask them something ridiculous and then that can either go one of two ways but they're like really into it or they're like why in the blue hell did you ask me something that silly and i was like yep so i just i was like i'm just gonna talk to amy about amy because Amy's interesting and she's a funny person. Uh, so are you ready, however, for some super silly, goofy, ridiculous ass questions? I'm ready. All right. First up, when you're on the road, what is your favorite spot to go to to get food that you can't get when you're at home out in Cali? Oh, well... I mean, I always got to do Skyline anytime I'm in Ohio. No, wait. That's like, are you saying that because you're talking to the Ohio guy or is that just is that? Is that actually well, that's what, what I like? thought of because I'm that's where I'm going next is Ohio. So, well, because I'm like, do you mean fast food chains that we don't have or do you mean like regional cuisine? Either. OK, uh, yeah. I mean, anytime, of course, I'm in, uh, you know, Kansas City or Texas. Got to get barbecue brisket usually brisket that's like my favorite barbecue meat um it's not i mean you can find pretty good barbecue in california but it's not the same you know it's just not this like we smoked it for four days or whatever in our parking lot kind of shit uh, oh and, Me and memphis memphis is probably my favorite place to get barbecue um okay even more than kansas city i know that's wrong but kansas city for the burn ends love okay. a burn end okay um what else? It's kind of tough because it's like between living in the Bay and L.A. as far as like other, you know, like Asian cuisine or Indian food. It's like we have all of those things. Um, right. I mean, I'm yeah. not like going to Ohio to get Chinese food. You know, I'm going to go to Chinatown. <laughs> um, Respectable. Uh, and I don't I try not to eat sushi anywhere, <laughs> you know, within 300 miles of an ocean um understood it has happened i guess uh what else i don't know man i mean See, you, you know gotta start making your, you gotta make your road trip food map because like when i'm going to a certain city i'm picking up I'm, I'm doing my research on these restaurants i know i definitely do that for sure i try to have at least like one really good dinner but then also eat like the shitty regional food like the skyline or whatever you know new york i'm always getting pizza and New York, probably more than pizza, is just the bodega sandwich. Like, just a regular ass, like, bodega deli sandwich is so much better than any other sandwich. I never understand why. But for fast food chains that we that aren't anywhere close to me, like, I love a Taco John's. If I can okay. get some Taco John's, because that's those are really hard to find. Um, okay. I love uh, anytime I can get into a Wawa. Get a Wawa sandwich, order from the little machine. Okay. That's sheets. I'll also do sheets. I know that's not allowed. You're not supposed to like both, but I like both. So I don't know. Fucking kill me. Because sheets, I like a wrap, a veggie wrap, and Wawa I do the sandwich. Okay. Um, yeah, it was used to be back in the day, like I would always be excited about going to a Dunkin', but like we have those everywhere now. Like they're yeah. all over California. So it's weird. Um I still get excited here, when I see 7 Elevens. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. they're they're everywhere now too, though. Yeah, they're getting there, but then uh, then they're not here. I, I, if I want a Slurpee, I gotta go somewhere exotic. 
And I will say, I, every, you know, everyone comes here to eat the in and out. I lived in Portland for a few years. I'm still Burgerville over in and out any fucking day of the week. Burgerville is so good. I miss it every day. And as soon as I like cross the Oregon border, I'm going to Burgerville every time in the same way that people get into California and they're like, I got to hit an in and out. Like, I'm going to Oregon next year to go do some to headline some shows. So now I'm going to have to add that to my list. Yeah, they do the same kind of shit as in and out where it's like all like uh, sustainably farmed meats and vegetables and everything's fresh and regional. Um, but the burgers are just better. And you got to try the Chipotle mayo. So good. See, Dip your fries I like in Chipotle, it. but mayo, I, I'm kind of like, the, the and I'm like, have you ever seen the movie Undercover Brother by any chance? Mm hmm. That's the one thing I have in common with Eddie Griffin. The one. <laughs> I'll leave it at that for some other reasons. Uh, before I run long, what is something that you wish you were better at? Like, or a hobby that you wish you could get into, but you just can't? Because I'm like an autograph collector and a sneakerhead, so. Mm. Um, well, I wish I played an instrument. Ooh, and, what instrument? Uh, really anything. I mean, I, I've can play like a tiny bit of piano and guitar but like nothing because I just never stuck with it so I wish that I had um uh, really I would like if I could pick anything like snap my fingers you can play this instrument now probably like a clarinet <laughs> I love the clarinet it's one of my favorite sounds uh and then I wish I could um wake up early easier <laughs> out of all the skills in the no like no flying. It's a no useful good skill. It seems to be useful. It's a struggle. <laughs> 41 years. I'm still like, do not ask me to do anything in the morning. I understand. I mean, I'm, an in, I'm an insomniac and a night owl. But once I'm up, I'm up because I'm running off a four and a half hour sleep right now after doing my first headline set at my home club. But I went, yeah. and, I went and got Cheesecake Factory to celebrate. So I. Oh, that's delicious. I'll always go to a Cheesecake Factory. Oh, wait, do you, do you have a cheesecake that you like, a particular slice? I I usually never get the cheesecake. I, I, I don't I'm don't. i there for the rest right of now. the menu. I'm sorry. I don't even know what to say right now. I mean, I, there's like a peanut butter cup one. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, that one's good. But it's been years since I actually had the cheesecake. I go for the other food. Sad, I, I, right? No, I'm not sad. It's your <laughs> choice and you can do what you want. But I'm saying don't miss it on that cheesecake. And All last... Right. But certainly not least, I sometimes ask comics their favorite like heckle story or like their favorite awkward this happened and I did not anticipate it story happening. Amy Miller, what is your most memorable moment in comedy that was not what you were expecting to happen or that you oh, just happened to see? Man, I, I always have such a tough time with this. I really try to block heckler moments out but no, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have happen. to be one that where they heckled you mm. uh well i will say the one that is the most notable is the one time that a heckler came back around and apologized a couple of days later that is like a lesson oh. to everyone uh, how'd you woman, pull this off i don't this woman in portland just um she was doing that thing uh, that white ladies do uh sorry for my people but, and they do it to other women a lot where it's like, I'm helping or like, I want to be your friend. Like they say shit throughout the show that that's like supportive, but it's still annoying and drunk. And you can't like, 
you can't be like, shut the fuck up, you stupid bitch, because they're like, I love you. And it's, so it's like, how do I handle this? So she was kind of doing that thing. Like she thought she was a part of the show, but she was just blackout drunk. And so like a few days later, she was like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. She like, wouldn't stop apologizing. He sent me messages. She came to see me again just to apologize. And I was like, this has never happened. So you're good. Like literally no one has ever apologized. And I'm like proud of you for owning your shit. And she's like, I just, and she said what we're always thinking as comics about those ladies, she owned it. She was like, stand up comedy makes me kind of uncomfortable. And so I got too drunk because I thought that would help. And then that hurt the whole thing. And I'm like, congrats on your self-awareness because you are the only woman in history to ever own white woman at a comedy show in history to ever own that shit. Like, good job. And that, and then we were fine after that. Folks, if you didn't know that Amy was a good comic, that story right there, that she got someone to come back and apologize, should let you know why she should probably have five HBO specials or streaming <laughs> network of your choice. So on that note, for my guest, Miss Amy Miller, I am Tabari McCoy, thanking you all for listening to this episode of A Tight 45. And that is it for this episode of A Tight 45. I want to thank my guest, Miss Amy Miller, for stopping by to talk about her career, comedy, and faith and whatnot. You know, sometimes I'll catch myself being too serious and I'm like, maybe I should ask a ridiculous question or a gross question. And then I'm like, Nah, man, they could like completely get mad and like walk out on the interview or something of that nature. But I don't know. Let me know, ladies and gentlemen. What do you want? Do you want me to maybe be a little bit more uh, uh, rambunctious, uh, a little bit more uh, off script, off kilter? Or do you prefer the way I do it now where, you know, whatever happens, happens during the course of a conversation? Because I try to have conversations with people as opposed to making them feel like they're being interviewed because that's when people get all weird and tense up and things. And I just like to have good conversations with people. And if you're listening... I'm assuming that you're enjoying a good conversation as well. In any case, uh, be sure to check out uh, where I will be. I don't have anything booked for the rest of 2021 right now. I do have a gig headlining out in Oregon next year, but that's a long ways away. So I'm hoping to fill some dates in the meantime uh, and get those wrapped up. Uh, the movie review site, McCoy on Movies, is back up. So you can get to that. You can go to that off of my tabarimccoy.com site. And email me. Let me know what's on your mind. Hit me up, Tabari at TabariMcCoy.com. One-stop shopping to reach me on the internet and let me know what's going on with you. Because, hey, maybe you need somebody to talk to, too. I, I, I could be there for you. Wait a second. That sounds like a, a, a theme song of a, of a 90s sitcom, so I should stop. In any case, that's it. I'll catch y'all next time. You hear that smooth R&B track kicking in the background. And I am Tabari McCoy reminding you to be good to each other. And thank you for listening to this episode of A Tight 45.